stand and we're going to get right to the word. Is that okay? We're going to get right to the word this morning. If you have a child between the ages of 2 and 10, please allow them to go to Children's Church. Uh, If you have a child between the ages of 0 and 2, we have an area where you can actually hear the service and you can see as well in the area that's designated for you. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you, Lord, for victory. Thank you, Lord, that even in this place right now, Father, that God, we overcome by the word of our testimony. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb. We overcome. So, Lord, I pray that today, Lord, this will be the overcoming day for many, Father, who are struggling and many who are finding themselves, Lord, in being dragged around by the power um, and forces of darkness. We ask, Lord, that even your children, Father, would experience freedom. We thank you for Jesus Christ that's in our life, Father. We just praise you and honor you even now, Lord. As you speak your word today, we pray, Lord, that light would come, revelation would come, the anointing that even breaks yokes would be in our midst. Thank you for being the anointed one. We pray, Lord, that God, as we share your word today, as we speak your word, Father, it would be, Father, a, a word in season And, Father, strengthen us to walk in obedience to you and to glorify you. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said amen. 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 Turn with me to a familiar portion of Scripture, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Didn't know what the testimony would be, but it's kind of interesting how God confirms things. We've been talking about stewardship under God, stewardship under God. So we talked about what it meant to steward our gifts And stewardship is all about management. Can you say that with me? Management. That God gives us good things, and he gives us good things to enjoy in life. But it's important that we understand how to manage what God has given. The Bible tells us that it was in the Garden of Eden that God, when he created Adam and Eve, he put him in the garden. But rain did not come until he had somebody in the garden to actually work the land. So God had... Uh, put Adam and Eve in the garden because they were to be managers over God's creation. And so God creates us not only to worship him as we are called to do, but we are to manage. We are to be individuals who manages his resources responsibly. So Paul says these words in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your what? Your bodies. As a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. And do not be conformed to the pattern of, the, of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I want to share for a few moments with you on, on the subject entitled Managing Your Body. Didn't know what you were going to say. That's the title of the message, managing, managing your body. That's what the Lord said to speak on, managing your body. So as we, as we learn this, I pray that it will be a blessing to you. And as the word is confirmed, you already know it's from the Lord, because I had no idea what was going to happen, uh, that God wants us to manage and steward our body. God bless you as you're seated, and we're going to share a word for you. This, this passage is not unfamiliar to you. It's not. How many, how many have heard this passage before or read it somewhere before? Most of you probably have. If you're Bible readers, 
you know, Romans chapter 12, you're going to hear it, you're going to see it, or you're going to experience it somewhere where you, where you heard this, this uh, passage before. But often we don't realize the importance of it in our daily lives. And so Paul is teaching um, at the church of Rome, he's actually teaching the importance of worship. That worship isn't just what we have come to do today, where we lift our hands, we sing to the Lord, we give, we, we embrace one another, we come into this community of faith. It's not only a time of worship where we do it on Sunday morning, but worship is actually what I do with my body. Worship is what I do with my body. I carry my body around every week. In fact, every day. Right? It's... it's it's, if, it's something that when you understand worship, you're not worshiping God only when you're in a setting like this. You're worshiping God every moment of the day because you're in your body. Is, not, is anybody not in your body? <laughs> Speak now forever hold your peace because we need to do something else if you're not in your body. But, but we're all in our body. And, and your body feels differently different times of the day. It can feel differently at certain spaces and stages of your life. Um, you, you're not going to be 25 or, t- or, or 15. You know, thank God that, that you're a teenager at one time or a young adult. But you know what? If life continues to grow and go on and you are still aging, you're going to feel differently in your body. Some of y'all, some of y'all, some of y'all don't know what you're talking about. You're like, oh, no. I'm too, it's too much pain to say Amen. <laughs> Right. It's it's a whole it's a whole understanding that your your body, your body is so important. And often we do not give enough um, understand, have enough understanding and importance that God places upon our bodies. So we run our bodies into the ground. We are not good to ourselves. We 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 seem to lack the understanding that there's a connection to our spiritual walk in the body that God has given to us. And so let me talk about this, and let's share some things about how can we be better managers of our body? How many need to know how to manage your body better? Anybody, do, anybody doing, can, can stand a little bit of understanding about this from the word? Now, God knows your body. How come he knows your body? Well, he made you. He made you. He made you. Nobody knows a product better than the manufacturer. At least I hope, I hope not. I mean, you know, have you ever had a product where something went wrong and they said, we, there's nowhere we can fix that. I don't know where to get apart from. You had to go back to the manufacturer. The reason why you need to seek God about your body, because he knows your body. Thank God for doctors. I pray, praise God. I thank God I am in. In fact, you are in the top region, region in the United States of America, where we have the highest level of medical assistance across the nation. Oh, you can praise God for that. Thank you, God. Because if you go to other places, other countries, you would see what they have to deal with when it comes to health care. I marvel at what God has blessed us with as a nation when it comes to health care. But even then, you have to understand that God knows everything about your body. And so when, when Paul is talking about this, he, he deals with relationship with God in three dimensions. Number one, your body. Okay? So he has three dimensions here. One, two, three. Your body, 
Then he talks about your mind, and he talks about your will. If we're going to be truly worshipers of God, we have to deal with our bodies, our minds, and our wills. Because that makes up who you are. That makes up who you are. But I'm not going to talk about the mind. I'm not going to talk about the will. I'm going to talk about the body. So here it is. When God made you, he said, present your body as a living sacrifice. Meaning, he commands us to make a commitment to him to give our bodies to him as a living sacrifice. Don't just give your heart. You got to give your body too. Your body has to be given to God. And so, first thing we have to understand, the reason why God can require me to, for me to give me um, my body to him is because he created me. Amen. Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and all they that dwell and who live in it. Everybody is created by God and so he can call me to give myself to him because he owns it. How many of you all own something like a car, your own shoes? Now, because you own that, you have a right to call it in. You can let somebody borrow those things, but, it, but then you say, I want my car back. You have the right to ask for it back because it belongs to you. You belong to him. So he has the right to call you to himself. Psalm 100 tells us this words. The psalmist says this. He says, shout for joy to all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence. And the King James Version said, come before his presence with joyful songs or with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. Is what? He who made us and not we ourselves. He, he, he made us. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Then he says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving. And into his court to praise. He can call me to worship because he's the one who made me. Psalm chapter 139, verse 14. I think it's around verse 14. Yes, right. 14, thank you. Um, It says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. How many of y'all know you are wonderfully made? Some of y'all do. Some of y'all do. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know full well. It says, my soul knows full well. Do you realize that when God created you, he he said, I'll never do that again? That could be a good thing or a bad thing. (laughs) He said, oh, I'll never do that again. You, 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 You could be twins. But God made you individually and specifically for his purpose. And you need to know that he makes people wonderful. It it, it takes the striving out of always trying to be someone else, be like someone else, do what someone's doing, and be so dissatisfied with yourself. Do you know so many people who are dissatisfied with themselves? Because they don't know they've been fearfully and wonderfully made. So God made our personalities. 
Your personality has been made and created by God. He, he, he shaped your inward, your inner be- most being. He shapes our desires, even our passions. And so it's important to understand that as you're thinking about your own personal life, do you get up every morning and say, man, you look wonderful? <laughs> love your neighbor as what? Yourself. You can't love your neighbor if you don't love yourself. Maybe that's the reason why church doesn't love, because we don't love ourselves. We hate ourselves. We're discouraged about ourselves. We try to Botox it away. Tie it up. Take it out. (laughs) We're doing all kinds of stuff trying to, because we're dissatisfied with ourselves. Be yourself makes us nervous. We try, we, we try to always improve on the product, and God says, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Amen. I'm an African-American man, and I, that's all I really want to be. Amen. I don't care what my country says. Amen. I don't care what people say. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Amen. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And it's important that you know that. See, the psalmist says, and I know full well. It's wonderful if other people know that, but it's important that you know that. I know full well. So what does God say about my body? Well, first thing, we need to understand that there are things that the scriptures teach us about our physical bodies. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18 to 20, you might want to write that down. Here it is. Paul's talking to Corinthian church. He says, Free, uh, flee from sexual immorality. Then he says, okay, all other sins a person commits are outside the body. But whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. I, I, knew, I knew it was going to get quiet. I just knew it. You sin against your own body. Let's keep going. So he says, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, whom is in you, whom you have received from God. You are not your own. Let's just start right there. That's a, that's a message in itself, right? Amen. He says, you need to know that while we were say, singing, be glorified, be glorified, be glorified in the heavens, be glorified in the earth, be glorified in this temple, your mind might go, well, come in this temple. No, God's saying, come in this temple. Your body is a temple. Now, in a temple, a temple is reserved for worship. Right? A temple is not a, not a gymnasium. It's not an event center. It's not a bar. It's, it's, a, it's a temple of worship. And the reason why Paul is saying this because the Corinthian uh, church was in a society in a time where there was a, 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 a lot of what I call, well, basically, sexual immorality and also indulgence. Indulgence was the culture that the Corinthian church was in. So it means that if you felt it, do it. If you thought it, do it. If you felt thirsty for it, drink it. And so... 
it was a party type of environment. It was, it was a culture that cast off any kind of restraint. So that there was nothing out of the contrary for someone to do. Because that's, the, that's what it was. And Paul is saying, as, as you have come from that culture, because they came out of the world and into the kingdom, he's saying, listen. You have to understand there's an expectation that God has for your body, which is the temple. Your body is a temple where the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. The Holy Spirit is not flying around somewhere. The Holy Spirit is not flying around the church. The Holy Spirit is in you. In fact, you're a believer in Christ. You brought the spirit in here with you. You don't hear what I'm talking about. So church is dry, there's something wrong with you. Because the spirit is in you. The Bible says, here he's look, he says, you've received the spirit from God. He's inside of you. So everywhere I go, I carry him in me. Everywhere I go, this is the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's the temple of the Holy Spirit when I start driving. If someone cuts me off. It's the temple of the Holy Spirit when I walk up to somebody in the, doing the cash, cashier and they give me the wrong change and I found that I've been shortchanged and I don't like it. Yeah. Yeah. This is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so not only am I fearfully and wonderfully made, I am a, a inhabit, I'm, I'm a vessel that inhabits God. Gives you a little different perspective, doesn't it? God is in you. So now that God is in me, I must understand this, this, this uh, perspective as well. He finishes it by saying this. He says, you are not your own. Oh, my. You don't belong to you. You don't belong to the devil. He says, you're not your own. And the reason you're not your own, because you have been, go to the next verse, you've been bought with a price. You've been bought with a price. When Jesus died and paid the price on Calvary, he redeemed you, but he bought you. He purchased your salvation. So therefore, because you're fearfully, wonderfully made, you're a temple of the Holy Spirit. You're not your own. Therefore, he commands us to glorify him in our bodies. Amen. Tell your neighbor you have no choice. <laughs> you have no choice. You've been bought. You've been bought. And so because I've been bought and I understand this, first thing I just really need to know that, look, I'm not my own. And now... That I'm not my own, what does God want me to do? Well, he wants me to be an instrument of righteousness. Romans chapter 6, verse 15. My body is an instrument of righteousness. So that when God has called me to honor him and to worship him, he's using me as an instrument. So what is an instrument? These, these brothers that were playing... To my left or to my right, they're playing what? 
instruments. Now, they have giftings in them to play those instruments that I don't have. But without those instruments, you never know that they even had the giftings because they need the instruments to play. If God doesn't work through you, how will people know that he can play anything? How, how will people know that God is in the world if your body is not his instrument? Because people assign things to God that are really not necessarily God. Oh, my God, the wind is blowing. Was that God or just the wind is blowing? Maybe just the wind is blowing. <laughs> the, the whole thing that you have to understand your, your life is to be an instrument by which God can use. And without us being his instrument, perhaps the reason why things are not getting done for the kingdom is because we have failed to realize that we are that instrument that God is using. The reason why you're on that job is not to make money. You're on the job to be the instrument. Oh, you don't hear what I'm saying. You're the instrument by which God wants to use. God wants to use your life to solve some problems, not create problems. God wants to use your life to share with someone about his love. God wants to use our lives so that he can bring his his grace to someone who does not understand grace. It's It's instrument. And to be that instrument, you have to understand that God wants to use your body. Your body is an instrument. That's why you've got to take care of your body. See, that piano is an instrument. We take care of that piano, you know. Yeah, we do. We tune that piano. We, we, we make sure that it's covered, it's taken care of, because we want it to play when it's supposed to. Now, if you are not taking care of your body, you ain't going to play when you're supposed to. You're going to be tired. You're going to be, oh, I ain't, I ain't, and God said, wait a minute now. I, I, I want you, it's, t- it's now time for you to be playing. You need to make some noise up in there, make a sound up in there. Now you're just tired. What, what's going on? You need to take care of your body. See, if you come to worship on Sunday morning tired, you can't lifting up no praise to God. You say, I'm tired. I ain't watch. And God says, lift up your hands and worship me. We're instruments of his. Now, there's three things that I want to share about this. When he talks about this whole understanding about being the instrument in Romans chapter 6, verses 14 to 15, I don't know if we have the verse on the screen, but if you can pull it up for me, that would be helpful. Um, Romans chapter 6. If you have a Bible or a device, I want you to go to Romans chapter 6. I want to just give you some subtopic of understanding about what it is about this instrument. Romans chapter 6. And if we go down to verse number 14, Paul says, For sin shall no longer, no longer be your master, because you are not under law but under grace. So what then? Shall we, shall, shall we sin because we are not under the law? But under grace, by no means. Is that right? He said, do you not know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey? Whether, the, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or 
to, to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that through you, you, though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey your heart, the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. So here's what he says. Here's what he says. The, the thing that you have received, because you're yielding yourselves, your body to God, number one, you receive favor. Somebody say favor. 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 Your favor. Favor from God. The grace of God comes upon an individual's life who has yielded themselves as an instrument for God to use. So you're not no longer under a condemning word from God. You're under God's grace. Isn't it good to be under the grace of God? That you're saved by faith, by grace through faith. That means that you have the unmerited favor of God. God, if God bestows favor on us. He says, now you have received favor from God. But not only do I receive favor from God, the reason why I want to yield my body is because I receive freedom from God. Freedom. Verse 16 to 20 tells us that we receive freedom. Now, look at this. It's interesting. He says here, let me pick up in verse uh, 16 again. He says um, in verse 16, well, he talks about obeying your slaves and that, that if you are under a master, you're under their dominion or you're under bondage to that master. So, in other words... If I give myself to sin, I am a slave to it. Now, he's not talking to unbelievers. He's talking to Christians. That's what Romans talks about. If you give yourself to something other than God, you will become a slave to it. You heard the testimony. You can be a saved Christian and be a slave to drinking. You can be a slave to weed. See, you're getting quiet now. You can be a slave to sex. There's a lot of people who have Christ in their life, but they've never yielded themselves to God so that they're not able to be free from sin. Wow. Tell your neighbor, everybody got something. Including you. (laughs) Including you. Y'all got something. Everybody got something. Everybody got something. Everybody got something. Everybody got something. You know, he said, don't you know that when you offer yourself to someone as obedient slaves, You are slaves to the one you obey. You obey your passions, desires, that's what you're a slave of. He's not talking about feelings. He's not talking about your feelings. Because our feelings play tricks on us. But there can be real slavery in my life, even though I'm a believer, to things that are not going to help me to grow spiritually. 
Some people are slave to the bed. What you doing? I'm sleeping. What you doing? I'm sleeping. Man, I'm tired on Sunday morning. Sunday morning, I can't get, seem to get to church. I just feel so tired. Do you, know, do you know that people get real tired on Sunday morning? Real tired on Sunday morning. Yep, and the devil said, yep, you worked all week. Yeah, the Lord, Lord, you know I worked all week. And the Lord said, yeah, I know. I gave you the strength to work all week, didn't I? I gave you all that strength to work all week. Now you can't come in and give me the praise for giving you the strength. When I say enter into his gates with thanksgiving, his course of praise, you don't want to come because you're tired. You're tired. But see, if I'm not careful, I will let my body enslave me. Amen. So whether you're a slave to sin, which leads you to death, or obedience, which leads you to righteousness. Now go to the next one. Is there the next one? All right. Go back. He says, but thanks be to God that through you, though, though you used to be slaves to sin. Say used to be. Yes. Say used to be. You weren't, you're not a slave to sin anymore. Say, say that. I am not a slave to sin anymore. I am not a slave to sin anymore. I'm not. You have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. So it's, it's not the feelings that's going to cause it to happen. It's my obedience to what I'm taught. It's my obedience to what I know. Because if you wait to feel it, you'll never feel it. Because <laughs> there's days I don't feel it. The bishop don't feel it. I ain't feeling it right now, God. He said, don't have to feel it. Just obey what you know. It's true. Right? You don't have to feel like going to work. Just go. And wait till the feeling hits you at your desk. Wait till the feeling. You'll feel, oh, I feel it now. You're, I'm already there. Praise God. You know, you're not going to feel like worshiping God, but worship him anyway, because he's worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our praise. You're not going to feel like praying all the time. I don't feel like praying all the time, but I'm trying to obey God by praying. I'm trying to obey God because he said men and men are always to pray and not give up. We, we, we don't want to just feel something, we want to obey from our hearts the teaching that we have received. Okay, next, next slide. Here we go. He says, you have been set free from sin and have what? I become a slave to what? Oh my, I'm not a slave to sin. I'm a slave to righteousness. I'm a slave to doing right. I'm a slave to being in right standing with God. I'm a slave to doing what he says. I'm going to enslave myself to do that, not become a slave to my sin. And so it's freeing to know that you don't have to be a slave to sin. You can be a slave to righteousness. Isn't that wonderful? Next slide. He says, now, he says, I'm using an example from everyday life because of your human limitations. How many got human limitations? We all do. Limitations. 
right? Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness that leads to holiness. That leads to holiness. That means that when God calls us into holiness, he says, look, I'm going to lead you into that by you obeying and offering yourselves to righteousness. It doesn't happen by accident. It happens by allowing God to lead me there as I yield myself to him. You there? Okay, verse 20. Is verse 20 there? Okay, here we go. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. When when you were slaves to sin, you were free. In other words, when I'm a slave to sin, I'm not able to do what God has called me to do righteously. But now that I'm free from sin, now I can do what God has called me to do because I already understand the truth. See, the reason why the enemy lies to us about who we are, because he knows that we don't know the truth. He knows you don't know the truth. And so he says, nope, you, 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 guess what? You can go in there and get worship and prayed and prophesy on, but I still got you. I own you. I mean, we got a relationship, don't we? I know you. You went upstairs and said, I surrender all, but I I got you. And you just need to say, nope, I'm not your slave. I'm a slave to righteousness that leads to holiness. So we have freedom in Christ. You have freedom in Christ. You just say amen to that. I have freedom in Christ. I'm free from sin. Aren't you glad to be free from sin? Doesn't mean that you'll never sin, you're free, but you're free yes. from the penalty and wages of sin. Yes. That brings you into the next one. Not only do we have, when it comes to sin, the favor of God, we have the favor of God, we have freedom, but then we also have the fruit. The fruit of our freedom. So he goes into talking about fruit. That the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Every sin and every righteous act has fruit or wages. Now, everybody who works, what do you get at the end? Of your labor. Wages. wages. That's your expectation. Is get, you get wages. Why is it that people sin that they don't expect to pay for it? Wow. Wow. I said, you, so you, you keep doing that, you're going you're to pay for that. Because just because you're forgiven doesn't allow you to leap over the consequences. Right. Remember David. Oh, David repented. Remember David? When he fell with Bathsheba, he repented of his sin, but that didn't change the consequences of his action. Amen. 
I'll say amen myself. Because I got to be aware that there are wages. The wages of sin is death. Adam, if you eat of the tree, you will die. The soul that sinneth shall die. Okay? That's the wages. But there are wages to righteousness. You know, that, that we reap the benefits of righteous living, which is eternal life. See, the reason why we want to live right is so that we can reap the wages that God has, the promises that God has. So in order for me to reap that, I have to say, Lord, I'm giving you my body because I want to live righteously before you. He says, seek first the what? The kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. What is that? That's the wage. The wage for seeking the kingdom And his righteousness is that you don't have to worry about your life. You you should say amen at that. See, what takes the pressure off of me is that I don't have to worry about my needs. Because I'm seeking the kingdom first and his righteousness. And he said, all those things are going to be added to you. But here we are. We're Christians and we're just as worried about it. Our lives as the people in the world. We're stressed. We're stressed. We worry about our provision. We worry about, oh God, what about my future? And your worry can't do anything about it anyway. Tell your neighbor, you can't do nothing about your future. What you gonna do about it? What you gonna do about tomorrow that you don't know if you're gonna be there tomorrow? Oh, no. What am I going to do when I'm 30? You're 21. <laughs> well, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What do you mean what you're going to do? Live every day. Like it's a present because it is a present. It's a gift. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us what? Rejoice and be glad in it. So he says, you know, you, you have to understand that Righteous living creates an opportunity for you to get so many benefits and wages from God. So what do I do? Here's what you do. To apply this principle, this is what you do. The first thing you have to do is yield yourself to God. You have to yield yourself to God. Um. When it comes to yielding yourself to God, it means to submitting yourself under his control. That you don't try to control your, your stuff. You don't, you, you, you don't try to live to a place where you're so stressed about things you cannot control. You yield your body to God because he has a plan on how to use your life. And so he says, all right, yield your body to God, not to sin. You yield yourself to God. So I yield myself to God, but then I have to reckon, reckon, the word reckon is listed there. And the word reckon is not the the term that we use in Western culture. Like, I reckon it's going to (laughs) happen. I reckon, I reckon so. I don't know you from the South. I reckon so. 
No, reckon, reckon is an accounting term. Reckon, reckon is a term by me which means I'm taking account of this, or it also means to impute, it means to put in one's account. So when I reckon something, it's like taking money and putting it into your account. That makes sense? So in other words, I am taking what God says to the bank knowing he has put it in my account. How many of you have ever cast a check? All right. How many of you have had a check that bounced on you? Not that you wrote one. <laughs> you had a check that bounced on you. Now, now, if you understand this, this whole understanding of account or reckon, it's like this. When you get a check or write a check, a check is simply a promissory note. That's all it is. It's a promise. But the promise is built upon something that's already there. At least it's supposed to be. Right? You, you, when you write a check, and I know you all are honest. Everybody here is honest. So I'm going to talk like everybody here is honest. Right? You write a check, and you're writing a check because you, the money from that account is in there. So you don't go, you as the check writer, don't go home and say, oh, Lord, I hope they don't cash that tomorrow. Oh, God, I hope they, oh, Lord Jesus, I hope, I hope they don't cash that. God is not wringing his hands like, oh, God, I hope they don't cash in on that tomorrow. Oh, Lord Jesus, what are we going to do? No, he, he's already paid for it. Bank is already, it's already there. But here's what happens on your side. You can't ever experience the wealth of what he has for you if you never cash it. See, reckon means that you're, you're, you're also endorsing to cash in on it. So if I wrote you a check, they said, okay, if you really want to cash on this, you have to sign the back. Is that, is that the way they still do checks? You've got to probably sign the back of the check in some way so that you can go and get whatever's in the account. What God has done for us He's already put things in your account. Righteousness is already in your account. You don't have to work to be righteous. You have to draw off his account. Jesus Christ was made our righteousness for us. Oh, you don't have, you, you understand what I'm saying? So I don't have to always clean up myself to get into God's presence. He comes before me as the righteous one. Oh, God, I did sin last week. He said, just repent from it and keep on going. You don't beat yourself up. You say, God, I repent. I, I, I didn't do what was right. Lord, Lord, forgive me. All right, come on in. It's in your account. Now, you need to draw on that. Draw it down. Because God has written so much for you and, and promised you so much, why are you not drawing it down? God, I don't know where the power is. God said, just draw it down. You have to reckon with that. And once you reckon yourselves dead to sin, when you count, count as you're dead to sin, 
Here's what happens. The devil will stop beating you up. Because you know what? You say, devil, we already settled this. I already settled this. My account is already settled with this. I already signed the dotted line. You're not going to beat me over my, over, up over a sin that I repented of years ago. I'm not going to allow you to do that. I'm not going to allow you to, to step on me and, and push me in a, in a corner because I don't, like, I, I don't like what somebody said about the way I look because I already know I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I have an account. They know what's fun about that. God likes writing checks and putting it into your account. But I believe, and this is my sanctified imagination, okay? I believe people are going to get to heaven. And when they get to heaven, God's going to say, hey, come over here. And he says, you know, I told my disciples that their hearts should not be troubled. And if they only believed in me, they, would, they wouldn't have to worry. Because in my father's house, there's so many rooms. Come over here and look at it. See all these rooms? If it were not so, I wouldn't have told you. But I went to prepare this for you. This is all your stuff up here. But you never cashed in on it. Your, your answer, the, the answer to your prayer was right here. But you never asked me for it. The deliverance that you wanted from me, it's, it was already here. But you never, you never drew down on it. My father left me a little money. You better believe I drew down on it. <laughs> Oh, yes, I did. I wasn't waiting for no anniversary. I wasn't waiting for Christmas and birthday and nothing like that. They, they said, you got some money for me? I said, let's go. When we meeting, let's sign the check right now. Pray the Lord. My father left something for me. I'm going to get it where I can get it. And guess what? Your father left something for you. You might as well get it. You might as well get it. You need deliverance, just go out and get it. Just, just bless them and get it. You need an answer prayer, just go on in there and get it. See, the thing that God has in store for you is so vast and so wonderful, but you have to now come to a position where you're going to draw down on it. Anybody here ready to draw on some things from God? We're going to worship for a little bit. We're going to draw on some things from God. See, worship is about drawing from him. And so this morning, I want you to just kind of take the limits off it and just say, Lord, I'm drawing down from you. I'm going to bless you like I just said, Lord, I'm going to bless you like God that you got something in it for me. I'm going to lift my hands and worship God. Let's stand. Let's stand. The worship team is going to come, but I just want you to stop worshiping even before they come. Come on, let's just start worshiping God. Let's start worshiping him. Let's just start worshiping God. Let's start worshiping him. Father, we are blessing your name. Father, we give you praise. We give you honor. We give you glory. 
We love you, Father. We are blessing your name. Lift up your hands and bless the Lord. Lift up your hands and worship him. Draw down on what he has for you. Draw down on what he has for you this morning. If you need healing, draw it down. If you need a breakthrough, draw it down. If you need God to do something special in your life, in the life of those that you know, just say, Lord, I draw it down. I draw it down. I draw it down in worship this morning. I draw it down in worship this morning. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Will you just lift your voices and praise the Lord? Say, God, I honor you. I magnify you. We give our body to you. I glorify you. You deserve all the honor. You deserve all the praise. All praise. We love you, Heavenly Father. We give you the honor. We give you the glory. We give you the worship that you deserve. We give you glory that you deserve. We glorify you with our bodies, with our hands lifted up. We lift you, Lord. Say hallelujah to your name. We lift up your name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We lift up your name. Hallelujah, God. We glorify you. You're an awesome We thank you, God. We honor you. We honor you. You know, God is so funny. Uh, this sermon was 